Sorry I'm late. I got caught up uh, reading about COVID. Oh, lovely. Yep. Yep. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm tracking, you know, the uh, the Omicron variant. Mm-hmm. Anything to be concerned about? <laughs> well, the problem is, like, we found it pretty early, which is a good thing, right? But because we found it so early, it's like we don't really have a lot of information about it yet. So it's basically just been people, like, guessing for a week. Like, <laughs> it's people looking at it and going, well, based on the, the makeup and, and the mutations, it looks concerning. But we don't actually know anything <laughs> really definitively yet. So. Yeah, hard to go off much there. Right. I mean, I think I think what the thing that has people concerned, the reason the, the World Health Organization called it a variant of concern and gave it a, a gave this particular variant a, a name um, is because of the mutations in the spike protein. You know, um, you know about the spike protein, right? Of course. I love the spike. <laughs> yeah. So like the Delta variant, that's like become the dominant variant around the world and here in the U.S. and everything like it has, I don't know, like five mutations or something on the spike protein, which is what makes it a little bit more transmissible and possibly possibly, maybe even a little bit more able to evade some slight uh, immunity. Um, the, the, this, this Omicron variant has like 30 mutations on the spike protein. Wow. You know, so, th- so people are sitting there going, okay, so this, this could potentially be be way more transmissible than delta this could potentially you know be be something that that really breaks through immunity whether you got it from a vaccine or or just because you got covid like this could really do a hit but we also don't know that for sure yet you know so it it's a lot it's a lot of speculation at this point and you know it seems to be popular or or gaining dominance in places like South Africa or, you know, and, and southern countries in Africa, but also just because one variant becomes the dominant strain in one particular region of the world does not necessarily mean it's going to be everywhere. It depends on what, what other strains are active in that part of the country at the time and what's the vaccination rate there, you know, like, so it's it's just, right. it's it's so hard to, to judge these things, you know, but... Um, I mean, my, my really ignorant stance on this new variant is... Ha- we're on the Greek letter O, I assume. So we've gone through like 15 other variants at this point, right? And the only one right. that I know about is Delta. Right. So is everyone just freaking out, out, out about this thing? And when there are 10 other variants that we don't know anything about because no one's talking about them and they did nothing? Or is this what what... I get the only reason people are reacting differently is because of the spike protein thing. Yeah, it's it's because of the the number of mutations in this one and where those mutations are is what has people, uh, you know, scientists kind of kind of worried. Um, any any variant that that shows too many mutations or mutations in in certain places um, becomes elevated to from from a variant of interest to a variant of because there's because there's thousands of variants, thousands and thousands of them. The virus mutates all the time and it mostly doesn't make a difference so then there are some variants that are like okay well this one maybe we should keep an eye on it that's a variant of interest and there's some that are like okay this is a variant of concern and then it gets named after a letter of the greek alphabet so there's alpha there's beta you know delta became the most dominant but i think you also you know, heard about the mu variant a few months ago a little bit i, I think yeah. I, mean, I think you also heard about the lambda variant yep 
at one point, and those were variants of concern too, because of of the the way you know because of the mutations on them or whatever. But the um, like I think I think the beta variant was being talked about early on as like oh this could really be a big problem because this one has mutations in a way that looks like it could escape you know at least some immunity that that people have so this 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 is a variant of concern but then it turned out not to really be an issue uh because the delta variant uh is just so much more transmissible that it kind of drowned that it kind of drowned out you know all the alpha and beta variants right so right. so the, the you know and I, th- and I think something similar happened with the mu variant where it was like concerning because of what mutations it had but th- but also like it just it couldn't spread as easily and as quickly as delta so it's like well nothing to worry about in practice, right? Um, but again, with this with this new one, Omicron, it's like, well, these these mutations are, you know, maybe more than than even than even Delta has, which makes people think could be more transmissible. And because there's so many mutations, maybe it, it can evade the the protection from the vaccines a little bit. We don't know. Again, it's all it's really speculative. It's still up in the air. I mean, there's only maybe you know a few hundred cases of this in the world. Maybe even less than that. Even maybe that's exaggeration. So it's like it's really, really hard to know. I mean, there's there's some people who are saying like like oh well, all the, all the cases of Omicron we've we've seen so far are are you know. People are barely even sick, you know. I mean, the really, really mild cases. Maybe, maybe this variant is really transmissible, but you barely get sick from this one. And it's like, yeah, but the majority of COVID cases, people barely get sick. Like that's the majority. The problem is what percentage right. are becomes severe. Like so, and there's so few of, of Omicron right now. It's like we can't, we don't, we just don't know yet. So it's, it's, we shouldn't even really be talking about it in this much detail because there's not much, not much data, data out there yet. <laughs> yeah. But over the, over the next different. Yeah, so, but over over the next couple of weeks, we'll we'll have more information, and and I think I think at the time of recording, it's not confirmed to be here in the U.S. I'm just assuming that it is, but yeah, I'm sure it is because they found it in they, they found it in Europe. I think they found it in in I think they found it in the U.K. I think they found it in Canada. I think they found it in Canada. Yeah, it's, yeah, if it's in Canada, I mean, right? We're we're a hop, skip, and a jump away. So yeah, I mean, uh, uh, you know. I find all this interesting, so I keep I read about it all the time. But yeah, so yeah, that's. Um, but if but you know, for someone who doesn't follow this stuff as closely as I do, you, yeah, you don't need to worry about alpha and beta and gamma and and mu and lambda. Just just worry about delta right now, and then maybe keep an eye on omicron. See what. But because but actually because of the the one thing I will say, because of the new this new variant, the. I think it's the CDC changed their recommendation for booster shots. It was they, they before they said it was that any adult may get a booster like if they want it. They changed it the other day or today or yesterday to all adults should get a booster, hmm. um, which I think is correct and mo- also more in line with with the data. And I think I even saw. Uh, a few hours ago people are now even pushing for uh 16 and up or maybe even 15 and up to be eligible for booster shots as well so you know yeah that could so things could be could be changing there but yeah get your you know get your boosters got oh 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 uh, and and pfizer and moderna i think are also already talking about creating a vaccine specifically for the omicron variant which i think i saw that i think is smart because even if it turns out not to really be necessary, um, it would give them a good trial run for like what to do if something if a 
a serious variant does pop up. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So you know, so that so we might we might end up having to get another booster in six months just because this one's more tailored to you know. Again, that's just, this is all hypothetical. It's very early, but you know, it's it's possible. We're never going to get out of this. <laughs> no, it's no, just, this keeps getting worse. It's just and it's just people. I I drive these these, these anti vaxxers are just driving me crazy. And 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 you know, you know, there's some moron sitting there going. Well, it's the vaccines causing the variants. You know, there's some moron sitting there saying that, as, <laughs> right. if, as, if, as if as if that even makes sense. Uh huh. I mean, if you know, they'll just say anything, right? It you know, it's the the the, the early guesses about where this came from is that it came from someone who was unvaccinated and immunocompromised, like say they had HIV, because people who are immunocompromised, you know, if their body can't fight off COVID very well, can't fight it off easily. Even maybe even with a vaccine, then the virus can just stay in the body, and you continue to just replicate and replicate and copy itself, and and mistakes will happen. That's how you get mutations, and then more mutate. Like that's that's one theory for where it came from. But who hmm. really knows at this point? But no, it's people. People just don't get that. Like, no, we get variants because the thing keeps spreading and copying itself. That's <laughs> that's how mutations happen. Is it copies itself too many times and it makes mistakes? In the, in the reproduction process, that's what causes me to – so if, we, if people get vaccinated and people stop getting it in the first place, if people, don't, if people don't get COVID in the first place, it can't copy itself and then it can't make mistakes while copying itself and then we don't have mutations and we don't have variant. Like it's just it's – just, I'm getting – I'm just like – I just feel like the U.S. has been at like 60% of adults or 60% of all people fully vaccinated mm-hmm. for like two yeah. months. And it just feels like what what's going on? What like we are it is we, hovering around this number? It, like I feel like I'm living in a third world country. It's just like uh, uh, God. It's it's uh, sorry. I'm, I don't want. I don't mean to go off on a rant. It's just I like mean, for is any country doing better. Yes, yes. And, and like I, I I believe if you like look at like developed countries, like first world countries, like and you rank them and like percentage of people vaccinated i think we're like number like 30 or 50 or something like it's not like it's no like it's not good like we're supposed to be a world leader we're a world failure title <sighs> well all i know is that we're two variants away from sigma um, so <laughs> i'm i'm excited for that just for for meme sake but just for meme purposes yeah that, exactly it, i mean that's going to go viral in a different way. <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'll know when that one hits. Exactly, you'll be all on top of that one. You'll you'll know about that variant before I do. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I bet I will. Anyway, that's probably a good transition. Um, I have some follow up. Oh boy. Uh, um, dug a dig dug follow. I'm trying to get to my notes. Where is it? Oh. You recommended a website that you use for flights. Mm-hmm. Uh, Skyscanner. Skyscanner. Yep. Yes. Okay. So I used it today, and I booked a flight, and uh, it was it was pretty easy. Yeah, it's really simple. It's I a good was, site. I was a little confused at first because it seems to me like Skyscanner doesn't book the flights directly. Skyscanner is like. Uh, it's almost like a search engine for other yes. places that do flight bookings. So it right. it like kicked me out to like 
like like trip planner or trip advisor or like like it kicked me out to some other mm-hmm. site to to buy the tickets yeah um, so, sometimes it'll bring you like straight to americanairlines.com or whatever and sometimes it'll bring you to like a third party yeah it brought me to a third party but i will say save me money than what i other would otherwise would have got because oh, did you look at google flights i did end up looking at google flights and i put in like the same search criteria and everything and i found the exact flights that i had just booked and it was like not dramatically more expensive but i think it was like six or seven dollars more expensive <laughs> hey there you go but the other thing i really liked about the sky scanner is it it uh, is it it told me like okay because because i'm only going to atlanta it's not very far it's not a long flight right mm-hmm. and um the, but the thing I liked about it is that on the Skyscanner website, it said like, okay, this flight will be – the price was $69 for a round-trip flight. And I was like, all right, well, that's the cheapest. I'm taking that one. I like those times too. I'm I'm going with that, right? So I, I click through, and there's part of me that's going, what's it really going to be? What, it's not going to be $69. What, you know, what's, what's, right. It's going to – there's going to be tax. There's going to be a fee. There's Something's going to happen here. What is it – you know? You know, I checked out. I, I went through the whole process. I they billed me. It was sixty nine dollars. It was. Yeah, I mean, it was consistent. Exact, it was right on them. I was really impressed. Yeah, so, that's really not hard. That, that, that's really surprising in today's day and age. Buying tickets for anything. <laughs> right. The only thing is, I is you flew Spirit. Mm-hmm. I I also uh, flew Spirit because again, it's you know, it's like an hour and fifteen minute flight. I can. Yeah. I'll take a, I'll take a shitty airline. It's not that bad. It's but but the thing that where they they ask me they go do you want to book a seat reservation? And I feel like I've done this before, but I think there was something about me that was like I'm just in the mood to just like fly and do this really cheap. And it was like twenty five dollars to reserve a seat. So yeah, I just expensive. I just didn't do it. Do you reserve a seat when you when no, you fly? I never do. You never do. Mm-hmm. And then and no. then. What what happened? Do you, have you ever had good luck with that, or do you always end up like in the middle of two, three hundred pound fat guys? Like, like I, th- I'm not sure if, if there's like actual evidence or anything to back this up at all. But what I think I've heard people say is there there are plenty of people who also don't book seats on flights, and if you check into a flight like as soon as you can, you're more likely to get a better seat. I think is what I've heard. Like, I what you can check into a flight like twenty four hours before takeoff. So if you check right. in at that twenty four hours before, you're probably going to get a better chance at a window or an aisle. Whereas if you wait three hours before, you're just getting what's left. To so cra- I, to crap I don't know. Shoot. I don't know if that's actually true, but it. I mean, it sounds like it makes sense, and I, I, I guess I just don't really care that much in general for if you know for flights that are an hour. I'm like, I'll do a middle seat if I really have to, whatever. Right. So so in your experience when you go to check in, that's when you get a seat. Yeah. Does yeah, it just assign it to it you? Cuz it pulls up cuz well you'll see it you check in and you get your boarding pass and then the seat number is just on the boarding pass. So it just assigns you a seat. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens. I I just I feel like I just haven't flown in almost 2 years and Yeah, I, first time flying. And I and I think uh, I think in the past I've always reserved a seat because I, you know, I like to get the window. But I was just in the mood of like, can I just do this cheap? Like, <laughs> right. So right. I don't want to spend twenty five dollars twice to book two. You know, yeah. Spirit tries to do everything they can to get you to pay more. 
Which I get. They're a budget airline. I mean, like, yeah, you know, they, yeah, you know, the they even thing. charge for a carry-on, you know? Yeah, yeah. You get a backpack and that's it. Right, right. So, which is fine with me. I'm going for two days. I can fit t-shirts. I can fit two t-shirts in a backpack. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's fine. Not a big deal. Um, you know, so, yeah, and anyway, so, yeah, so I, I used the, I used that website you recommended. I liked it. Um, got a better deal than I otherwise would have. Think I'm going to keep using it. Yeah. And, oh, I'm, glad, uh, I'm glad you liked it. It's been really good to me for like five years now. Oh, wow. That's great. Here's the other question I had for you though. Hmm. Cause you have flown in the age of COVID. I have not. Yeah. Yeah. Here's my question. Concerned. Well, I mean, I just had my booster, uh, you know, last week. Um, so I'm not really concerned about catching COVID. Um, mm-hmm. but what I am wondering is just, just like, like mask protocol and everything protocol. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering like, it, what do they require different paperwork? I don't, I wouldn't think I have to prove no. a negative test. Do they want to see my no, vaccine no, no. card? No, nothing like that. Nothing like, so um, is there anything different? Is there anything to, other than you have to wear a mask the whole time? That's it. Is, is there anything different at all? I, I mean, I think it's like. It's like the only place I've been in like right now where we're at with COVID where like there are signs that say mass required and it's actually enforced. Most of the time it's just like up and no one cares. Um, but like they, people security and people will actually tell you to keep your mask on and everything. So expect that I, I will say once you get into the terminal and people are sitting at their gates, it's a lot more relaxed. People sort of cut loose then. Um, but yeah, not, nothing is really different. They're just, you're going to hand the security guy, your pass, not, not your passport, your ID and your boarding pass. And he's going to ask you to lower your mask so he can look at your ID in your face, which I think is a little stupid, but that's like the only thing you have to know. <sighs> yeah. That's kind of what I was afraid of. Cause, cause, cause there's part of me that feels like it should be more difficult to fly now. Like, it, <laughs> you know, like. Right. We're living through a plague, <laughs> you know, and, and, and then we wonder like, you know, well, oh, well, why, you know, why aren't we stopping COVID? Why, why is things, why are things not getting better? And it's like, you know, like I even, like I listened to the president the other day talking about the Omicron variant. And it's like, first of all, the, the White House like banned travel from countries in South Africa. And immediately this variant was found in other countries. In yeah. Europe, in Canada, travel's not banned from those places. So what? So and on top of that, the the, the you can get around the travel ban as long as you're an American citizen. So I guess according to the White House, Americans who are from these places don't get COVID. It doesn't make any sense. It does like it's the most nonsensical rules I've ever I've ever heard. And then and then on top of that, the president gets on TV and he's talking about it, and he's like, "Well, we just need everyone to get vaccinated." And I'm like that that that's all you got. You're not gonna you're not gonna send like why don't why doesn't government like manufacture like N95 masks and mail them to people with the USPS like what like right. why don't why aren't we like having like spending money to like change the infrastructure of buildings to to have pro- proper ventilation or or sending people HEPA filters? Why aren't we like sending people? Do you know, do you know in the UK you can walk into a pharmacy? And they'll just hand you at home rapid COVID tests, like a pack of like seven for free. Whereas here in the US, thirty dollars for two. It's like thirty dollars for a box of two, and you can't find them anywhere. 
And it's like, you know, it, it's, I'm like, the, the whole, the, like, but Biden's whole thing was like, I got a plan. We're going to stop this virus. And I'm looking around. I'm like, I don't, I don't see you doing anything. Like, yeah. I don't know. You know, I mean, sorry, I'm ranting again. I'm ranting again. Did you read the Astro Codex <laughs> 10 article about Omicron from today or yesterday? I, I honest, honestly, I skimmed it. Um, but I, I remember it being kind of funny. What did what did he say? Well, yeah, that, that's what I was going to mention. Is the funny thing is he was talking about the data on how long it's going to take for it to become the dominant strain in the U.S. if if at all. Mm-hmm. And he's like listing some reasons. He's like, this could be because we successfully contain it. Parentheses really question mark. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I'm like, that. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, we could successfully contain it, but let's not pretend this is a real scenario. Right. Right. So, yeah, I, I just, you know, it's just it's a little bit annoying to me that that the president keeps acting like the only thing we can do is ma- is, is vaccines. That's all. It's all we got. And it's like, no, we could do other stuff. The other stuff is just harder. So you don't want to do it. And then on top of that, the president's like, well, all we got is vaccines. I'm like, OK, so more mandates. And he's yeah. like, no, because that, that that makes people angry. I'm like, people are dropping dead. Angry. <laughs> Fuck them. Fuck these people. I mean, it's whatever. Sorry, sorry. I got, I have to shut up. I'm done. Anyways, <laughs> I've been talking a lot. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Had a nice Thanksgiving holiday. Oh yeah. What you? Did you have some turkey? Uh, yeah. Had some turkey. Had some stuffing. Had some sweet potato casserole. That was delicious. Oh, my God, <laughs> that was like candy. Basically, it was just like brown sugar and pecans. It was delicious. Yeah, that Sounds was great. really good. What did I what did I did I do anything for Black Friday? I saw the new James Bond movie on Black Friday. Oh yeah, I haven't seen it yet. You said it's really good. Yeah, I I would I surprisingly liked it a lot. Like I didn't think I was going to like it as much as I did, but I was pretty hmm. impressed. All right. Um, all right. Yeah, I yeah. I, I want to see it. But and 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 cuz you and I watched Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. We watched it together. Then we independently watched Quantum of Solace. Right. And then and then I watched Skyfall and I was like, great, tomorrow I'm going to watch Spectre and then the next day I'm going to watch No Time to Die. And then I completely forgot about it. And oh, I, I just it's I don't want to I, I, I have this resistance to watching Spectre because it's like it's long and I've heard it's pretty bad and doesn't really make a ton of sense and is a little bit confusing. <sighs> I mean, so it's I'll... like as part of me. It's like I don't I don't know if I want to say that and watch it. Well, two things. Okay. The, you're going to watch the first like 10 minutes of Spectre and you're going to be like, why does anyone ever say this is bad? This is amazing. Like the first 10 <laughs> minutes will blow you away. Really? The first 10 minutes are fantastic. Uh, second of all, they say the word Spectre at least a dozen times in No Time to Die. So you're, you're, you're going to want to see it. Well, that's what, I've, that's what I've heard about No Time to Die is that it kind of ties together all the daniel craig bond movies yeah um which is part of the reason i wanted to do like a rewatch of all, of all these um but yeah I, I okay all right well not now see now you've got me curious about the first 10 minutes because yeah, that's there, how i felt about batman least, versus superman <laughs> right yes that, exactly there's at least something good in specter so I don't, right. I, I don't i don't know how you could see specter and like it less than quantum of solace i'll just say that too <laughs> Quantum of Solace, I just, I was bored. Exactly. 
Yeah. I was the whole time I was like, what the hell is the quantum of solace? I have <laughs> right. no what idea what this movie is about. Right. Right. Ah, oh, boy, I, I I love I love Skyfall though. I think it's my favorite. I really do. Yeah. Skyfall's pretty good. I love pretty it. Pretty good. Watched that epi- watched that show last night. Watched well, I watched Curb last night. Um Oh yeah. I uh well, I watched the new episode. And then, and then also, my roommate's been kind of working through the back catalog of it. We watched the Bill Buckner episode last night. Oh, I, I might have seen this one. I don't know. I don't think I have though. Yeah, it's 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 fun because because you know, I mean, I know I knew you would appreciate it because I know you're a Red Sox fan, baseball fan, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So having having Bill Buckner on the show was fun. Um, yeah, he and then, all sorts of great actors or just, just great people. I'll say. On yeah. Show. And then, and then tonight after we do this, we're going to watch the, the one with Michael J. Fox right after it. Oh, that's an amazing one. <laughs> it's a great episode. That's, that's one of the best ones. <laughs> oh, good for her. That's awesome. What, so what, what, what are you watching? Are you watching anything? Um, uh, I'm watching the world according to Jeff Goldblum. Oh yeah. How's that? Season uh, two. I just I just watched the first episode right before I hopped on here actually and it's pretty good like the the show isn't amazing or anything but like I do really enjoy it every time like Jeff <laughs> I, I always laugh at Jeff he's always funny um always like really simple topics like dogs I don't know if I'm interested in dogs but I come away learning something from it so I don't know it's hmm. a fun watch um and then I've got like a list of other shows that I want to watch but honestly like December is like turning out to be a really busy month for me that like I just don't want to start watching something and then not be able to watch the next episode for like four days or something like what, that. What, so what are you doing? What's what's happening in December? Uh, I've you got can tell, a you Jim, can tell me later. I've got a Jimmy Buffett concert. I'll say that. Really? Super excited. Yeah. I'm very excited. You're you're, for that. you're a parrot head. Yeah, total parrot head. Uh, he's got some good songs. Got yeah. Some good Margaritaville. Uh, that's just like a concert, like, I have to see him before he dies or before he stops touring, you know? Well, that's true. It's a good point. Where is he playing? Because it's the Amway. Wow. Not a, great, not a great venue for Jimmy Buffett, but whatever. Yeah, kind of weird. I, yeah. I I expected you to say, like, oh, he's playing uh, in the middle of the beach. Yeah, exactly. He's playing in a pool. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> him and his band are on floaties. Bro, oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> Buffett on the beach. Now that would be a concert. I'm sure he's done it plenty of times. You ever go to Margaritaville, yeah. the uh, the restaurant, City Walk? N- no, I've never been. I'm sure it's bad, right? <laughs> I Have mean, you? honestly, I, I I went once. I don't really remember the food. I guess I thought it was fine. You know me. I'm not. I don't really care. I probably got yeah. a burger, and I was like, it's fine. It's a burger, whatever. <laughs> right. The only thing I remember about it is that throughout the restaurant and like on tv screens and over the speakers and everything they have like they have like um like a video playing of like him doing different songs and mm-hmm. i don't know if it's quite music videos but it's like you know him performing live concert and videos concert videos and his songs are playing and stuff you know which you would expect so we walk in and we sit down for dinner and it's like oh this is nice you know we got the music playing video of him singing it and stuff yeah this is this is fun and then by the time we're finishing dinner. Um, we're like, you know, we're getting the check and we're wrapping everything up or we're winding down. And I notice, huh, this is the same song and video that was playing when we walked in. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, reel. it's on a, it's on a loop. 
And I was like, kudos to them for having a loop that seems to be the perfect amount of time for a meal. (laughs) Right, exactly. Right, that's pretty impressive. It's just the hits. But it's also, like, it's, it's funny that... Like, almost immediately, I was like, oh, I'm annoyed that I'm hearing the same thing again. And I wonder, first of all, I thought of the staff who have to hear this 50 times a day. Oh, my God. And second, I wondered, like, is it intentionally maybe a little too short to get people to be like, we got to get out of here? <laughs> you know what I, like, but, you know what I mean? Yeah. But for real. Yeah. If you hear Cheeseburger in Paradise for the second time, you're like, all right, can we get the check, please? Right. Right. <laughs> so I, I had an idea for a main topic tonight. Go ahead. You know, every time I, I, I say that now, I think of I think of when you laughed at me saying that. <laughs> the other the other day, you were you were here at my apartment. We were all hanging out, uh-huh. and I, I I think I think one of us somebody started to say something, and I said, "Go ahead," you know, like I've been saying lately. Mm-hmm. And then I said to myself, "I just said I love go ahead," <laughs> and then you laughed at me saying, "I love go ahead." <laughs> And that in that moment, really funny. in that moment, I realized, yeah, why did I say that? That was really funny. <laughs> and now, it's a good every, phrase. Every, I I agree. I think it's a great phrase. But now, every time I say it, I think of the time that I said that out loud <laughs> for no reason, and then you actually heard me and noticed how silly it was that I said that. Yeah. Wow. This is it was really silly meta. that I say that. This is this is the this is the John Roderick. Water fountain thing. Do you know that story? No, I don't think I do. John John Roderick had a friend when he was like twenty who said, "Every time you see a water fountain, I want you to think of me." And, he, and he's like, "You know what? I'm fucking fifty years old. I still think of that guy when I see a water fountain." <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's such then, a weird one. And then Merlin has has the next level where every time he sees a water fountain, he thinks about John Roderick and his friend. Yeah, yeah. So it's wow. water fountains all the way down. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's their title. That's not our title. But anyway, you had a topic. So this is just an idea. An idea for a topic. I did, I'm just I'm just throwing this on you. So let me know what you think. I was wondering if we could like go back and forth and like sharing names of people who, if they're attached to something, we're watching it, we're listening to it, no matter what it is, we're there. Like a podcast, a TV show, music, anything. Like what's a name? Like oh. Bo Burnham's producing it. I'm, I'm, I'm in. Like you don't need to tell me anything else about what it is. I just need that name, and I'm in. Right. I do love you, that. Do you have like, do you have like a mental list of people? Because I feel like you do. Absolutely. I mean, not not like a list. Like, yeah, these are, these are the five. But like, you could <laughs> think of them off the top of your head. I think I could think of them off the, off the top of my head. This is a good topic. Let's do this one. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. So yeah, you're right. Bo Burnham. Would be one so we'll, for me. We we can, we can like we can, we can each go back and forth Absolutely. a little bit. We'll, we'll each share one and talk about why I guess that person reached that status. And I, I mean, you you could start with Bo because I think that applies to both of us. That's what I was going to say. I think uh, I would imagine you're the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I'm watching that Larry Bird thing. Whatever. That is. <laughs> right. Me too. Right. I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll watch a a, a dramatization of some basketball team i don't really know about what well, <laughs> from, from the 80s from the 80s that i don't really know that much about yeah sure bo burnham's in it who's he playing someone named larry bird okay sure <laughs> i'm there that that to me that project the fact that he's doing that that to me seems like the kind of thing that's like would bo ever do that normally would bo ever normally be involved in a project 
like that, a, 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 like a basketball dramatization. But the, it, like to me, that seems like the kind of thing that he normally wouldn't be involved in at all. But mm-hmm. somebody went to him and was like, and just begged him, like, "Bo, please, you don't understand. You would be so good <laughs> in this role. You have the right. height. You look like him. P- please, dude. Like this is this was gonna be amazing. It's it almost seems like." That that's the vibe I get because I feel like if I was an actor, and someone came to me and they were like, "You look just like this famous guy," and I'd be like, "Never heard of him." They're like, "Doesn't matter. You look so much like him. You got his vibe. Can you? If you play him in a movie, it'll be the greatest thing. People will talk about this casting for ten years, and yeah, I'd, and yeah. I'd be like, "Well, I never heard of him, but okay, I'll do it because if, if, if <laughs> yeah, you know I've, what I mean, I've got like, to now. I've got to like you know that that's almost what it seems like happened to me. That's a complete guess. I have no idea if that's true, but that's the that's my guess. I mean, I I think I think a trend through this conversation is going to be like these people that the names that we're going to name we generally think like it doesn't matter like i don't care what it is they're involved in like what it's about i just like i just trust that this person like has good taste as well and would on, would like only do something if like they saw some sort of value in it you know i mean there there's exceptions to that of course there there, there are plenty of people who will do just something for a buck um <laughs> anthony hopkins and transformers 5 is he uh, in Michael that? K- Michael Caine and Jaws three come to mind, but let's, so what? so of course there's exceptions, but you yeah. know. I mean, do you know the Michael Caine Jaws three quote? I I don't. Please tell me. I, I feel like you told me this. It must be someone else. <laughs> oh, someone someone he was in Jaws. No, it looks like it was Jaws four, which is even funnier. <laughs> right, um, right. So someone someone asked him about jaws 4 after it came out because it's obviously a bad movie (laughs) and he responds i've never seen it but by all accounts it is terrible however i have seen the house that it built and it is terrific (laughs) (laughs) that's fantastic (laughs) people that are amazingly talented still will do things for a buck right right the other story i heard about is um speaking of you mentioned anthony hopkins i heard that when he saw the script for thor he, oh yeah, I know this. He wrote N A R next to like all of his lines, and uh-huh. and that stands for no acting required. Just hilarious. <laughs> just gonna walk on set and just read. Right, right. It's kind of kind of like a uh, what was his name? Alec Guinness, that who played Obi Wan in the original Star Wars. Yeah, kind of like that thing where he where he mm-hmm. was like, I have no idea what this fucking Star Wars move. What is this fucking bullshit they want me to do? I'm in space. What Jedi lightsaber? I don't know what the hell this is, but whatever. Right. I'll do my best, you know. And it, he killed it. It's a great performance. And he like, yeah, and exactly. by all accounts, he's like, I, I don't, I don't really get it. I don't get this whole space <laughs> sci-fi thing. I don't get it. But whatever, I'll do my job. <laughs> Um, I feel like that. I feel like that's Harrison Ford in a way as well, which is really funny. Oh, there's times where he doesn't even try. Indiana oh, Jones yeah. and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> uh, I actually don't uh, remember his performance in that. I don't. I don't actually do know I. if he's if he's good in that. But I remember more about the plot from that one than Harrison's performance. Yeah, I don't remember anything about that movie. I remember there being I a Crystal the Skull. <laughs> I remember the bad. Th- oh, so you remember the whole movie? <laughs> right right i I remember the scene with the ants do you i mean that's hard to forget you have to know that right no i don't uh it's like they're 
it's like some chase scene where they're all trying to like get off this island or something like that and they just like run into an ant field where like the ants just like start crawling on people and like taking them down and eating them alive it's really funny it sounds awful yeah it's pretty bad okay so what are we doing here what is, what is what is the name of this section? What is this? Uh, uh, people all watch in anything. People all watch anything. People. All... Yeah, that's that's the name of the band. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have a catchy name. I can't come up with a catchy name for it. But mm-hmm. I like this idea. Yeah, yeah, me too. So oh, yeah, Bill Burnham. I just, I just thought of a them. really good answer. Really, I'll save, I'll save this. Dude, save it, save it, save it. I'll just. I mean, we've we we've talked about Bill Burnham, I think, extensively on this yeah. program. So I don't think we need to go into it too much. You know, I'll just say for me, I think the things that Bo talks about and the way that he talks about them really resonate with me and my brain and how my brain works and how I think. And so. You know, it's like it's like when Inside came out and some people were like, mm, not super funny. And I was like, who cares about funny? It's Bo Burnham. Like, I want to – my point was like I want to hear what his perspective is. I want to hear his voice. Like, I like mm-hmm. – not literally. Like, I want – but I mean like his creative voice, his creative vision. That's what I want to see, yeah. you know? So, um, like, perfect example. On my Plex, I have a, uh, a Bo Burnham – category or collection collection of course yeah and and it's all of his specials and i made a bold move i put his movie eighth grade in there it's not a special he's not in the movie but he's so clearly the creative vision of that movie and if you wanted Mm -hmm. to like watch and understand his career over the years like that's an essential element of that of of his career and who he is so you got i I feel like i gotta put it in there even though it technically kind of doesn't fit i put it in there anyway you know, that and that's because that's how I think of him. Right. And I, f- I feel like eighth grade is a perfect example for me of just this whole concept of like, I, I didn't know anything about eighth grade. I didn't know. I didn't watch a trailer, know anything about the plot. I just knew that Bo Burnham was making a movie and like you and me saw it together in theaters. We're like, yeah, of course, of course we're seeing it. Right. Like, like <laughs> I don't care what it's about. <laughs> just right. put me in that theater now. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So so I think for you and I, it's Bo Burnham. It's like anything he does, I'll be into. I mean, even once he finally does those songs for Sesame Street, I'm like, I'm gonna listen to him. <laughs> <laughs> right. They'll probably be really good. It, it is Sesame Street. He's doing songs for. Right. I believe that. I have that right. I mean, wasn't that announced like three years ago? Well, so was the Larry Bird thing. I feel like maybe that was only a yeah. year or two ago. But yeah. Um. Okay. So okay. So Bo Burnham. That's kind of both of ours do you have any more to say on that or you want to go to the next one um i'll, I'll jump to the next one go we, ahead we have we have talked about bow a ton um I, I i don't know if this is uh for you I, th- I think it might be but for me one of the top people that comes to my mind is nathan fielder oh yeah i i think nathan is like one of the like three or five funniest people alive <laughs> that i that i know of right now and I, I think the end of Nathan for you and finding Francis and everything like really showed us like this guy is capable of just so much more than just like these crazy wacky business ideas. Like he, he can do so much more artistically and tastefully. And he, he's, I think he started to do that a little bit with like things like how to with John Wilson, like 
<laughs> like some of some of those episodes are like surprisingly deep in a way. Mm-hmm. And it's just like he's going more in that direction of like very interesting uh j- just new uh ideas and everything and it's still hilarious all the time. So what whatever he does he's in like some HBO thing with Emma Stone. I think that's being produced right now. I'm like I don't know what this is going to be, but I'm in, you know. Oh, I, a, he's, I think I've he's no, one of those heard about this. Me. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like him and Emma Stone in a relationship or something like that. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> she's way out of his league, of course. Right. Which makes it even funnier. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, that's right. It's something called Showtime has ordered to series a half-hour comedy star Nathan Fielder and Emma Stone titled The Curse. Yeah, that's going to be amazing. Wow. Yeah, he is He is really funny. And... um. Yeah, I think I convinced you to watch How To with John Wilson because I was like, Matt, yeah. Mulaney, uh, uh, not Mulaney, Fielder, <laughs> Nathan Fielder's attached to it. Come on. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, no, that that was one I always wanted to watch. It just it just took me a little while. And it, it's like, it's sort of like the, the eighth grade thing where it's like, it's not Nathan on screen, but like you can just feel that he has his handprints all over it. Right. Or even because I think wasn't originally how to with John Wilson wasn't originally like a, a documentary or a mini documentary or something that he screened at like a film festival. And then Nathan yeah. picked it up and Nathan was like, this is something I like this. Right. I think so, it, something along those lines. So there might have been a different project of John Wilson's and they just like got to talking something like that. Oh, right. Right. OK. Yeah. Because it, it's one of those things where the way I look at how to with John Wilson is like, even if. Nathan Fielder didn't do anything on this. He just slapped his name on it. It's like, it, it it's just the kind of thing where it's like, well, if you like Nathan Fielder, you'll probably like this. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it e- even if you just look at his credit on the show, is like, this is just Nathan Fielder recommending a show. Or this is just it, it, him uh, using exactly. his name to promote something that he really likes. Even if it's as simple as that. It's like, well, Nathan Fielder is involved. He likes it. I'll, I'll check it out. But you're right. I do think he was probably a little bit more involved than just slapping his name on it and helping promote yeah, it. Yeah, but, for sure. But even if it was just that, I would I would still probably be interested. Yeah, even if it's just a thumbs up, you know, that's good enough for me. Right, right. Um, oh, he has an overall deal with HBO. Look that's at that. awesome. Um, so, yeah, can't wait for more. Yeah, Nathan Fielder is someone that, like, Someone said this once, a friend of mine once said this to me about Will Ferrell, and I feel like it's kind of true with Nathan Fielder, which is he's never not acting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. Which isn't like, it's like, people, like, you on the internet, people debate, like, is Nathan acting? How much of this is real? And everyone's like, I don't know. And also, who cares? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel like it's, I don't I don't think this is going to be a trend throughout this conversation but particularly with Bo and Nathan like there's sort of a mystique about them like not not really right. on social media mm-hmm. re- pretty private people in general like se- mm-hmm. seemingly normal outside of like the things they make and produce <laughs> um where it it's just you're just so much more curious about them and like is this real is this on the front I can't really tell but I'm in anyways right okay so my turn Mm-hmm. Okay. I think, um, let's see, I'm, uh, I feel like I need to look at my letterbox watch list because that's probably something. 
That's probably a good tell, yeah. It's probably a good tell, right? So the, the one, the first thing I'm seeing here, the one thing that stands out to me is uh, Being the Ricardos is the new upcoming film from Aaron Sorkin. Mm, yeah, that's one for you, for sure. Aaron Sorkin is one for me. And I have not seen everything he's done, because he's done a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, I haven't seen Newsroom, West I haven't Wing. seen West Wing. And, and, uh, I don't even think I've seen all of his movies. Just, I think I've just seen most of them. But in the last few years... Um, I've started to really kind of follow him a little closer and pay more attention. Like, like when Chicago's trial of the Chicago seven came out, I was like, it's Aaron Sorkin. Like I gotta, I gotta check it out. You know, like he wrote the script and people, people knock him for being a bad director, which might be fair. I don't think I'm in, I'm as in tune with, you know, directing versus a script, especially with like an Aaron Sorkin script where it's so much about the, the words and the language and, Mm-hmm. You know, that's those are the kind of scripts that he writes, you know. So it's like I watched Trial of Chicago 7 and people are like, oh, this is not directed very well. And I'm like, it's a it's a movie that takes place in a courtroom. It's not really about <laughs> it doesn't matter yeah. exactly how it's directed. This is the kind of movie where the script is the most important thing. And it's written by Sorkin. So it's fine. Like to me, that makes it good. And and then and then I feel like in, in recent years, there's been sort of a pushback to Sorkin where it's like, oh, yeah, I know what he does. And he, you know, he has this this Sorkin-esque. I mean, you know, I mean, go on YouTube and put in Sorkinisms. And it's like funny the times he like reuses lines and things in his stuff. And oh, it's really? Like, yeah, well, I think especially in the West Wing, because I think he said for the West Wing, because he wrote every single episode of the West Wing when he worked on the show except for like two of them he wrote every single episode mostly and i think at that point it was like they had a because tv they have to turn on episodes really quickly so they were always shooting like basically his first or second draft of the script so in the west wing there's a lot of people like repeating phrases because it's like it's just a phrase that he likes and he he (laughs) needs it to make a point you know what i mean so it gets used like two or three times in the show whereas in a movie he has you know a year and a half to write the screenplay he can come up with a better line you know what i mean and not reuse the same things but um he you know but me like so i know people get annoyed with him and like his style but i'm like i don't know i like his style i i like i like how wordy he is and i like the, the way he cares about language i mean he i mean he has said i want i want to control every sound that comes out of the actor's mouth like he's that I once saw behind the scenes. That's insane. Yeah, he's a, no, he's a nutcase. I saw a behind the scenes on um, the Social Network. There's like a little behind the scenes like mini movie that was like a bonus on the Blu-ray disc or some whatever it was. And there's like a brief shot when they're filming the opening scene uh, with Mark and Erica at the bar in the opening scene. And at one point, Aaron Sorkin turns to Jesse Eisenberg, and he and he says, what does the script say? Does it say everybody or anybody? Yeah, the script says anybody. I think you're saying everybody. And it's like he's that particular about his script. Yeah. Like, yeah and I'm that like, confident And, like, that it. to me is, like, that's cool. Like, I, I'm interested in that. Like, you know, he makes movies where it's like, no, there's no improv here. Like, we're going to – it's going to be exact. You're going to say it exactly right. It's in you the know? script for a reason. <laughs> right, right. Like, you know, so – you know now he now he he i believe wrote and directed uh yeah wrote and directed this new movie being the ricardos which is a movie about lucille ball and i'm like i don't think i really care about lucille ball but I'll, it'll probably be a good movie or at the very least i'll probably like it yeah you know nicole kidman as lucille ball and jk simmons is in it clark gregg is in it tony hale so it's got a pretty good cast 
you know who who's playing Ricky Ricardo? I think it's someone I know. Uh, Javier Bardem, Bardem is playing oh, Desi Desi Arnaz. Isn't he the guy from No Country for Old Men? Let me see. Uh, yes, he is. Yeah, so yeah, there you go. That's what I recognized him from. Also in Dune. But yeah, like Ooh. so, I just I just like Sorkin's whole thing. I like his style of of uh of language and how he plays with it and how how precise it is and everything. I I just enjoy it. So I'll mm-hmm. um, I'd, I'd be down to watch pretty much anything with with Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> right, it's got that writer's credit. That's all you need. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's probably probably one for me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go in a slightly different direction. Just okay. just to expand the conversation a little bit more so we don't limit mm-hmm. ourselves to just people. And what you said earlier reminded me of this. I'm going to go with Pixar. Any any oh, Pixar yeah. movie like immediately goes on my watch list. Right. Like I don't I don't I don't even know what the premises are. I just know that Pixar announces new movies like once or twice a year and I'm yep. like I want to see all of them just just cuz they're like the best movies from my childhood. And it seems like the studio cares a lot about the movies they make. It's, it's, I mean, every, every studio has got to make movies because that's what their job is, but they, they seem like they just put a lot more care and thought into the movies than just regular Walt Disney studios does. And they, they've got like, what you, you probably know more than me, the 20 rules for writing a movie or for a successful story or something like that. Like they just put so much care and thought into every story that they tell and have very few failures. The track record is so good and the bar is so high that I, I, I think anything that comes out of that studio I'm interested in. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Um, it's funny. It's funny. You say like, Oh, well I watch it. Cause these are the movies from when I was a kid. Um, and I, and I was I was just gonna say like well to me they're just great movies like you know forget about <laughs> yeah. whether, uh, whether or not I w- I'm a kid they make great movies you know I rewatched right. The Incredibles recently and I'm like you know this still is uh, outstanding you know oh yeah it holds um, up yeah I mean the scene when they're in the airplane and Elastigirl is screaming like Mayday Mayday there are children aboard 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 like it gets me every time I like get like anxious or nervous like I yeah. I feel bad you know get to, like it's yeah, Mr. Incredible's it. hearing it too, right? Right, and then and then when she says there are children aboard, and they cut to Mirage, and she's like, oh, "I work for a lunatic." Yeah. Like it's great, right? Sorry, right. going off about one movie. No, but, no, absolutely. But no, you're right. Yes, Pixar. I didn't know about this twenty rules. Okay, I googled it. The twenty two rules of storytelling, according to Pixar, I hadn't heard about this. Oh, really? I, I think I heard about this from like a a video essay or something. Number one, you admire a character for trying more than for their successes. Hmm. Number two, you got to keep in mind what's interesting to you as an audience, not what's fun to do as a writer. They can be very different. Wow. Yeah, these are interesting. These are simplify, focus, combine characters. What's your character good at? Yeah, these are good. Yeah, there, there was a video essay I saw that like, was specific about one of these rules. I don't remember which off the top of my head was, but I'm, I'm looking at them now. Maybe it was, why must you tell this story? I think that was probably it, actually. What's the belief burning within you that your story feeds off of? That's the heart of it. Hmm. And I like he, that. He, the, the essay was talking all about like Inside Out and how in, like this, this, uh, the plot of Inside Out changed a lot while it was being uh, written and 
produced, I guess. Uh, was this lessons from the screenplay? Um, yes, I think it was. I think it yeah, was actually. Yeah, because I think I think they did a video on Inside Out where they talked about all the changes the story went through. And originally, the main character, or the or one of the most important characters, was going to be fear. And then yeah. through the process, they yeah. realize no, it's sadness. That's yes, the key. Yes. That's exactly it. Yep. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure it's lessons from the screenplay. Yeah, um, I think you're right. Telling a story from the inside out. Good title. Yeah, great title. They come up with good titles on lessons from the screenplay. I'm a big fan of them. Yeah, they do a good job. Rogue One versus The Force Awakens: The Fault in Our Star Wars. Come that, on, yeah, that's, that's come on now. <laughs> that's really real. good. Um, okay, so. Yeah, Pixar is is I uh, again. That's another one where it's like I haven't seen literally every Pixar movie, mm-hmm. but I've seen most of them, and I and I am always interested in what Pixar is doing next. Yeah, you know. Yeah, th- there there are some that I haven't seen either. But like, if someone asked me to watch it right now, I would say yes, of course. Like, I'm, right? There's there's no Pixar movie that I'm avoiding, except maybe Cars too. But even that, I would I I would still be interested to see like what do, what does a failure from Pixar look like? You know, isn't that interesting too? You make a good point. Yeah, you make a good point. I mean, I haven't seen Good Dinosaur. Heard it's more like the Bad Dinosaur. <laughs> but I, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I, I I don't know if this is true as well. Something I heard, and I'll I'll try and Google it. But I thought I heard that. At Pixar, they don't make a sequel unless they believe it's better than the original, hmm. which a lot of the time that doesn't like match up with how I feel about the movies. But that, <laughs> right. that's, that's interesting that they want to be that confident in it. And they're not just like churning out sequels for right. the hell of it. And, and with Toy Story, like you could argue uh, with the exception of four, you could argue that like each one is better than the one before. I would disagree with that. But like I, I think there's an argument to be made there at least. I could see that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also an example of like, um, you know, what I was saying a second ago, going back to how important the script is for a movie, like, a lot of times animated movies, sometimes they have a, they have, sometimes animated films are better than live action films, simply because with animation, you really have to nail down the script before Mm -hmm. you get to work. Because it's much harder to change stuff in animation than it is in live action you know oh yeah whereas if you have live action you can play around with different things well let's try this let's try that well maybe i think we got it maybe we got it but if not we can always do reshoots and we can try stuff later whereas you know changing you know a a plot line or changing a scene or or a story point in animation can be a tremendous task you know so months behind (laughs) right so you know with with um you know, animated stuff. Sometimes they they really have to get the script right, and and I think Pixar spends a lot of time on on their scripts. Uh, I think that's also also part of it. Um, I'm gonna st- I'm gonna stay in a, in a similar vibe. Uh, you said Pixar. I'm gonna say, and I think this one's gonna be kind of surprising, but I'm gonna say Marvel Studios. Mm. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I thought I thought about saying this as well. Are you serious? I'm I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like. It's true, but it's like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> exactly. I have no interest in talking about it. Um, no, I think, I think if I was going to pick, if I was going to pick another one, if I was going to pick one more like director, um, I would say David Fincher. 
Mm. Again, have not seen literally everything. Did not have, did not see Mank. Haven't seen that. Haven't seen Alien Three. Haven't seen season two <laughs> of Mindhunter. I know you're well, laughing because it's like who should see Alien Three, right? It's it's really rough. Season two of Mindhunter, though, you should check out. Right, but you know, David Fincher is someone who has made like such great movies. Like his is has a pretty damn good track record of directing only great movies. You know, like, I guess maybe with yeah. the exception of Alien 3, <laughs> yeah, according no, to mean, most I think, people. I think I think that is the only exception, which is a pretty, pretty damn good track record. Right. Um, and even even his movie The Game, uh, which I, I can't remember if, if I've made you watch that. I feel like I recommend no, it to you. not yet. To, yeah, you've Great, it. great movie. I love it. I think it's fantastic, right? And I think... Fincher himself has even said, like, you know, I'm not really a fan of that one. I'm kind of, I don't want to talk about it. Like, he's sort of disowned it. Like, he doesn't like it. Right. And I think it's interesting that a movie that he doesn't like is, like, maybe one of my favorites by him. You know, like, I feel like, I feel like maybe that says, like, that's how you know you really like a director. You like the stuff that even they don't like. (laughs) Right. Exactly. You know, um, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, David Fincher is another one where it's like, even if I haven't seen literally, I haven't, I just haven't spent the time to go see literally everything he's done. But I always kind of keep an eye on, like, what is he doing next? I want to know what he's, wasn't he, wasn't, didn't he announce something recently that he's doing? I don't, I don't remember. I feel like he did, but maybe I'm thinking uh, of something I else. I don't know. I've heard rumors about Mindhunter 3, but I don't know if that's actually happening. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I feel like I did hear about a new movie of his. I'm going to try and find it. Oh, yes, this is it. What is it? It is, uh, I'm on IMDb. Just give me a second. (laughs) Yeah, it's called, it's called The Killer. And according to IMDb, it's filming now and it's starring Michael Fassbender and Tilda Swinton. And I, I saw that and I was like, Fincher's directing another movie about a serial killer with Michael Fassbender in it. Like, <laughs> sign me up. Tell, tell, I don't need to know anything more about this. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And well, the other thing I like about Fincher is it's funny. I was talking about this the other day. I forget. Oh, I, I was um, being annoying and I was making my roommate watch things that uh, he doesn't care about. Nice. Um, no, no. What what it was is I I, I put on uh, the the video explaining how people got the world record on Pokemon Red and Blue. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. From uh, that YouTube channel I love, Summoning Salt. He does these videos about video game world records, and I put it on. Like you might, I'm, I was like, this is really nerdy, but you might be sort of interested because it's Pokemon. And um, I was I was saying like you know I just I love people who are obsessive about things. Like, even if I'm not obsessive about the thing, I relate to that feeling or that impulse to, like, just do a deep dive on a thing and mm-hmm. become totally consumed with it and just get totally wrapped up and just be totally obsessive and about every detail and learn everything about it. I totally relate to that feeling. And I feel like Fincher has some of that. Where, it work, like, if you look at his movies, like, all of his characters are, like, detectives or their police officer like or their killers like it's like he makes movies about people who are obsessive about things <laughs> right right probably because he's one yeah you know? he, he must be a bit of a weirdo and well also you know he he's also a nut about you know camera angles and you know he's a he's a lock it down put it on the tripod type of guy he um 
you know, he very rarely does handheld. He does like fucking 70 takes of everything. Like he's just oh, yeah. he's a nut. lunatic. Like because he, he's he cares about detail. It's it's like um, I'll I'll put I'll put the Captain Christian essay in notes because it's so good, but it's like in Zodiac all of the crime scenes where they recreate the Zodiac Killer's crime scenes are all done in CG. Because he goes, I want the crime scene to be as accurate as possible. And mm-hmm. if we try to build the crime scene in real life, we're going to get details wrong. So just do it all in CG. <laughs> that way we can get it exactly right, down to every I mean, detail. He does, he does fake blood <laughs> as CG, which is right. crazy. Right, well, beca- well because it, you can easily manipulate, you can do, get the blood to move in exactly the way that you want, right? Mm-hmm. And then, it, you know, you don't have to wipe up blood after you're, you know... Uh, 75th take <laughs> to do another right. one <laughs> right <laughs> so yeah i just i i um i like that i relate to that i, I like i like his stuff so uh, he, he's another one where i'm like i might not always jump at you know not everybody can be bo barnum where i just immediately go see as soon as it comes out the new thing but these are these are people or studios that it's like I at least know what you're up to and I got my eye on it and I'm probably going to check it out at some point soon. Right, right. Yeah, no, that's a very good pick. I, I would agree with that one as well. I'm I'm going to go in a slightly different direction. Um, not like uh, directors, people who are like making the thing. Yeah, I think I think like, I'm out of directors. Yeah, but for someone who's involved in things i i'm gonna go with uh dicaprio and this this actually like surprises me picking it but now but now that i'm thinking about it like i i think this does apply to me like i'm not even like i don't know i'm i'm not like a student of acting at all like i don't know what makes an amazing actor would be able to tell you but like i know that he is an amazing actor of course like he knocks it out of the park in pretty much every movie i've seen him in and second it just seems like he has such a he's so good at being able to find the right movies to be in, you know, he's not, he doesn't sell out for any like blockbuster Marvel type of movie. Like he's, he's never been in any sort of IP movie or anything like that really. And every movie that he's in is with amazing directors. Like if you just look at the directors that he's worked with, it's like, every amazing director that we would probably include on this list for like directors that we're interested in like Tarantino, Nolan, um, Fincher, Scorsese, Spielberg, like every single amazing director out there he's worked with before. And just from whether it's the, the Wolf of Wall Street to, um, I, I, I don't know what's what, for, to like what's eating Gilbert Grape where he's playing an autistic middle schooler. Like oh, he right. just knocks it out of the park in every single role that he plays. So what, whatever movie he's in, I'm just very confident that it's going to be good. Right. Right. That's, that's an interesting one. Cause I don't, I don't think of, you know what it is, is when I was a kid, um, I decided my favorite actor was Jim Carrey cause I'm a kid <laughs> and he's silly. Right, makes uh-huh. sense. Or Robin Williams. That's every that's every kid's favorite actor. Interestingly, I I didn't I wasn't I didn't go in for Robin Williams. I wasn't a big Robin Williams fan as a kid. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Maybe my parents just didn't show me his movies. I don't know what happened. But for me, it was Jim Carrey. Um, also, I was looking at Jim Carrey's IMDb the other day, and it's like like he popped off like exactly the year I was born. Like if you mm. like if like I was born ninety four. Don't be creepy. You look at his movies that came out, and it, he had three movies come out 
1994. I put in Jim Carrey on IMDb, and a different Jim Carrey came up. How was that possible? <laughs> yeah, well, something wrong with that website. But, like, like uh, look at this. 1994, the beginning of the year, it's like January, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. That's, like, his first big hit, right? A few months later, The Mask, another big hit, okay? Oh, yeah. By the end of the year, he was in, he was in Dumb and Dumber. Like, three giant movies that each spawned a sequel and an animated series, and they were all in the same year. Like, apparently he got paid more money for each movie after that. He was paid almost nothing for Pet Detective because he was a nobody. Then they mm-hmm. did The Mask, and he was like, well, you're up and coming, you know, so we'll pay a little bit more. And by the time The Mask hit, they were he, he could, like, get whatever he wanted for Dumb and Dumb. Like, apparently they found him for Dumb and Dumb. They were like, oh, this Pet Detective movie, this guy's funny. Let's get him for Dumb and Dumber. Right? Yeah. And then, and then by the time they actually like started negotiating for Dumb and Dumber, the mask had come out, and they were like, "Oh, this guy can just name his price, basically." Like, <laughs> right, right. But yeah, three big movies. So, so when I was a kid, like his movies were like dominating. You know, I mean, you know, he did When Nature Calls, which made him never want to do a sequel again. He later ended up doing a sequel <laughs> to Dumb and Dumber. But you know, like look at you know Liar right. Liar, Truman Show. You know, early 2000s, Bruce Almighty, Eternal Sunshine, Unfortunate Events. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I got to the point where I was like, Jim Carrey's like my favorite actor. I'll, he's my favorite guy. I'll watch him in anything. I was a kid. I was 10. What do I know? Yeah. And, that, yeah. and, that, and I started seeking out, like I sought out more of his movies to watch. And I don't remember what happened, but I just realized like, oh, not all of these are good. I don't like all of these. Some of these I'm not really into. Why is mm-hmm. that? You know, and I think I got a little old and I was like, oh, right. The actors don't decide if the movie's good. Like it, it's based <laughs> right. on like who wrote the script, who directed the movie. Like these are kind of more important than the people whose faces are on the screen. And I think ever since I, I had that experience, I've sort of turned away from I really try not to focus on actors and I really try not to do the thing of like, oh, I'll watch this actor because I'm like, well, why should I care who, about the actor? It's about the people behind the camera who do all the work, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've I've kind of been closed off to the idea of like, well, I'll watch anything this actor's in. But you make a really good point about DiCaprio, where it's like, not only is he a freaking great actor, he seems to only work with the best. And it seems like every yeah. one of his movies is good. Like, he seems to have a knack right. for picking movies that are going to be a big hit and are really going to be great. So maybe, maybe I should uh, loosen up a little bit. Maybe I should be less pretentious. <laughs> yeah, and pick I, an actor. I, I, I know what you mean because there there are I mean there are plenty of actors that have been in bad movies, like amazing actors, of course. But I, I just can't really think of one with DiCaprio. He's like he seems to be the exception. Um, but yeah, I, I I relate to the feeling in general of like yeah, I mean I love Jim Carrey, but am I really going to see The Mask too? I I don't know. Well, he's but, not in that Son of Mask. Oh, he's, he's not. He's okay. not in. <laughs> But d- d- Dumb and Dumber Two, then, <laughs> right, right, yeah, I didn't, I didn't see that either, um, you know. But, but I, I still, I still feel like an affinity. Like, I, uh, is that the right word? Yeah. I still, I still kind of like him to the point where when he did that, um, that Showtime series uh, a couple years ago, I was like, I'm in, all right. I'm interested in Jim Carrey. He's doing a, a TV series for the first time since the early '90s, I think when he was in yeah, in living right. color 
you know, let me see what this is. I'm interested. I'll check it out, you know. And it was all right. It was pretty good. I, I didn't go back and watch the second season. But, you know, I was like, all right, it's pretty good, interesting, you know. So I I, I still have that, uh, that like, ah, well, it's Jim Carrey. I'll at least check it out, you know. Right. But I don't, I don't feel like I would add him to this list, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's you fair. Um, uh, it's funny. I'm actually starting to make, like, a runner-up list. Oh, interesting. Because um, I have more, but I also feel like they're not strong enough for me to put on this list. Um, so I'm gonna. So so you you also mentioned um, people with just a uh, 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 good taste or people that we agree with on mm-hmm. things where it's like oh well so and so said it was good so I should you know um, did you have any in that in that category? <sighs> Um, so I, I actually was thinking of bringing this one up and I guess, I guess it is sort of relevant to that in particular. And the, the, the name I have is Captain Christian. Oh, right. Yeah. So, uh, so he's, he, he's like probably the best video essay person on YouTube. And I haven't seen all of his videos or anything, but he's just the type of creator who makes things so rarely that if he put, took the effort to make another video, it's about something that must be good. Because, like, I mean, I, the the videos I've seen of his are all things I like a lot, like looking at his channel. Mm-hmm. Pixar, Adult Swim, Watchmen, Jurassic Park, Alien, like, South Park. Yeah. Um, just amazing things that I love. Yeah. And so because we have those things in common, it's like, all right, anything that he's making a video about in the future – it's probably something that I would like as well. So I'm not, it's not like a hard rule for me, but he sort of falls into that weird category of if he's recommending it, I'll probably check it out and like it. Yeah. That's, um, that's, that's a good pick. That's a good pick. Um, I, I, I think I kind of agree with you because he does have a lot of great stuff on here. I'm looking at his channel now. A lot of great stuff on here. The other one I think of is what we mentioned earlier is lessons from the screenplay. Yeah. Where, you know, he, they talk about a lot of a lot of great movies that I that I really like and really enjoy. And I think there have been a couple of times where I'm like, "Ooh, they covered this on either the podcast or on the main channel," and I'm like, "Hmm, that that is interesting." I maybe I'll I think I I think I will watch that. I think I have done that. Um, oh, you know what? I just I just thought about moving this conversation into video games. Mm, do you yeah, ha- do you yeah, have any for, for video games? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if this is sort of a cop-out answer because, Go because I I got into this so recently, but I feel like I'm going to buy and play every Zelda game that ever comes <laughs> out from now on. And I, the reason I think it's a cop-out answer is because I'm the person who's only ever played Breath of the Wild. Right, me too. Um, but it's just like c- clearly, like j- just for example, comparing this to Pokemon – like clearly this whoever makes Zelda cares so much more about it than the people that make Pokemon and they take so much time to make these things and they don't make two of every game at the same time that you have to buy to be able to play the complete game um you know what i mean that i just feel like it's going to be good and any Zelda game for the most part i'll play from now on yeah i i almost said Nintendo earlier but i feel like i don't i don't like literally buy and play every Nintendo game. Um, yeah, Nintendo's it, just too broad to it, say. It, it, I mean, it is Naughty Dog is a little bit narrower, but Nintendo is just huge. That that was going to be my pick. Is is 
either either Naughty Dog or if I want to get more more specific, Neil Druckmann, who directed the, both of the Last of Us games. But yeah, Naughty Dog. But like between the two Last of Us games, which I I loved both of them, and all of the Uncharted series, and some of those are better than others. I think four is the best and, and my favorite. But that seems like a studio where they know how to pump out a good, uh, a really good, you know, single player story driven video game that right. all all at you know at the very least be very interested in anything from Naughty Dog. Whereas Nintendo is like that's kind of too big. I can't really be interested in everything. <laughs> right. But yeah, something from Never Naughty Dog, or even even if Neil Druckmann was like, I'm gonna go make a TV show. I think I would be like that. I would want to see, which I think he is kind of working with um, Craig Mazin on the Last of Us series for HBO. Um, so, but you know, interesting. But still, so so interesting. But um, yeah, I think I think that would probably be mine, just because I I loved I loved those two franchises. Not really a major f- fan of Crash Bandicoot, right? Isn't that the other game series they made? <laughs> Right, uh, Jack and Dexter is that the other one? Yeah, I think so. Not, I've heard those games are very good, though. I've heard they're good, but that's you know they seem to have gotten away from that style of game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> very different from the last. Yeah, ones. yeah. So yeah, starting there, I'll I'll follow them. I'm not going to go through their back catalog <laughs> with every yeah. Jack and Dexter and Crash Bandicoot game. I, I mean, that's that's me with the Zelda games. I mean, I, right. I would go back and play some of the older ones, but it's not like I'm not going back to the first Zelda game from the nineties. Did you get the Nintendo Online Plus extra bonus features N64 games online bullshit? No, I heard it kind of <laughs> sucks. <laughs> that should be the official name is whatever I just said. Yeah, seriously. Um, yeah, I heard... Well, I mean, when we when it was announced, we were like, oh, this could be interesting. And then, mm-hmm. and then like, two weeks later, they announced it's like $50. And I was like... I don't think this is $50 worth when no. so much of this $50 it goes to like isn't it like Animal Crossing DLC is like <laughs> is like built into this like online plus con- yeah, and I'm like probably. I don't fucking have Animal Crossing why like why would that be part of the online plus it doesn't make sense right so whatever if it was like you know an extra $10 if it was $30 a year instead of 20 and then you got N64 games well that would be reasonable I just don't understand why yeah, they tacked on... Yeah, it was on... just separate from the online stuff, you know? Like, I don't know why it's a part of the online bundle. Maybe there's a reason, but I don't get it. Yeah, yeah that you're, I mean, in a sense, you're also right. You should be able to buy just, like, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. You should be able to buy it and own mm-hmm. it on the Switch without having to pay for, you know... But this is like this. They're you know they're trying to get subscription money. They're trying to get people to keep yeah, paying yeah. them over and over again. Is really what it's about. That's why they, you know, they took Mario sixty four and they remastered it and then released it, um, you know, for a limited time only on three D All Stars, and then they were like, okay, it's been six months. We don't we don't sell that anymore. You know, you want Mario sixty four? Mm-hmm. You got to get the online download version. Like what you know, whatever that yeah. is, right? Which I think I heard that the version of Mario 64 on the Switch online thing is a different version than the one that comes on 3D All-Stars. Which is crazy to me, but anyways. I guess because the 3D All-Stars one is a Japanese version that they'd like remastered, whereas 
the I think the one that comes on the Switch online service is like just an actual like exact copy of an original like North American N64 game. So, you know, it, there's like minor differences there. I don't know. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Whatever. Um whose turn? I think it's your turn. Uh yeah, I I think the the one that comes to mind next for me is Vince Gilligan, the guy who wrote uh, Breaking Bad and El Camino and Better Call Saul. And right. it's like, I don't know if Breaking Bad is like my favorite show of all time, but when I think about it, I do sort of have the opinion that it is a perfect show where mm. just like, for, like all the character arcs end where they should there's no loose end tied up. It's dramatic. It's exciting. It's everything you want out of an epic series conclusion. And it's like so rare for someone to completely nail it. And it, he he nails it in El Camino. So from what I've seen of Better Call Saul, he nails it. And he just seems like the person who's not really in it for the money. Like he he was offered millions of dollars to make three more episodes of Breaking Bad. And he was like, "No, why, why, why would I do that? The, the, sto- the story's over. There's no, there's no more, no more episodes I can make. It's a, it's a finished story." And I, I just really respect and admire someone who can <laughs> say no to millions of dollars because they're they're happy with what they produce and isn't interested in crazy sequels and things on top of that just just for the heck of it, you know. And I don't, I don't know what he's gonna do from here because I don't know anything he's done outside of the breaking bad universe like all three all three things i've seen of him are in the same world i don't know what he did before this but i whatever he does after this i'm very interested to see what he does because he just seems to care so much about the characters and the story that he tells that i'm I'm just confident that it'll be good yeah that's a good pick yeah i'll be interested to see what he does after after better call saul because um you're right this this series or this franchise i guess has sort of been the only thing he's worked on for what like 15 years or something yeah i mean when did when did breaking Um, bad come out like 2008 so yeah like almost 15 years he's just he's told stories strictly in this world right right um yeah that's that that's one where it's like i haven't seen much of breaking bad um i think i saw the first couple seasons years and years ago um but obviously I, i loved it and i so it was great. And obviously, the guy is hugely talented, you know. Um, so that 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 so Vince Gilligan for me is like, I, I'm not all in on him yet, like you are, just because I haven't seen enough of Breaking yeah. Bad and Better Call Saul. But I, that's one of those guys where I'm like, but I'll keep an eye on him because I am interested in what he does next because I because right. his track record is so good. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be really interesting to follow his career, and he's he's already so old too. I think like he's not he's not like a young guy when he started Breaking Bad. Let's see how old he is. I mean, he's like yeah, he's like fifty four, so it's not like he's just new to the business or anything. So even even more interesting to me to see what he does after. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, okay, I think I I think I have uh, I think I have two two more. Mm-hmm. And then, and then maybe we could do a, a like a, a. I think I have two more main ones, and then I have a few I wrote down as like, you know, like runner-up type of things. I I I really should have come up with a list because I know as soon as we stop recording, I'm going to be like, 
damn I it, I, sh- I I forgot about this person. So I'm I'm just I'm just accepting that and just naming the people that are coming to the top of my head. But right. all, all the people that are coming up, I agree with. So, um, okay. So the next one that, that I'm gonna say is Damon Lindelof mm, because yeah. I've only seen two things he's ever done. I've only seen The Leftovers and Watchmen, but both are like two of my favorite shows of all time, right? So clearly this guy is like the way he does stuff and the way he makes movies or I guess TV shows in this case, um, this totally, again, it totally clicks with my brain and the way I like things to be done. And it, but I just... I, I, oh my god like the other day when we were watching the leftovers like i almost started crying not because it was sad because i was like this is so well done it's so beautiful i love it right. i love this show but um yeah so i think i think i would say damon lindelof and i think i think he got a deal to do a new show like over at like nbc universal like i think his next show oh, is on peacock or something which wow. is so interesting because his last two shows were H- hbo and I just figured he would want to stay with HBO, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. But so, so I'll be interested to see to see what he does next. But yeah, I'll, I'll, um, I'll definitely watch where you know where, wherever he goes, whatever project he works on. I would love to see him. If I mean, if he's really over at NBC Universal, I would love to see him work with another guy that I think is on both of our lists, Mike Schur. Oh, that'd be amazing. I mean, yeah. Mike Schur has done Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The the Good Place. He was a writer on The Office. The Office. I mean, that guy makes some damn good comedies. You know, yeah. I'll watch anything Mike Schur does, right? And I and, and I know that they're friends. I know for a fact that they're yeah, friends. they work together. <laughs> well, I mean, unofficially, they work together and get advice from each other, don't they? From For, like, scripts? Yeah, yeah. What happened was um, uh, when... Michael Schur came up with the idea for The Good Place. He went to Lindelof and said, is this something? Am I on to anything? Do I have, the, mm-hmm. like, do I have an idea here? And Lindelof was like, yes, absolutely. You should, you should do this. You should make this show. Um, and I think, yeah, I think they traded notes back and forth. And, and, and there, are, there are multiple uh, references to The Leftovers in The Good Place because that show was, The Leftovers, I think, very much influenced The Good Place. I, I, I weirdly feel like The Leftovers... And the good place are sort of almost like two sides of the same coin, where like right. they're 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 both very like existential in terms of I think what they're about. Um, yeah. It's just that the good place is is done as a a light comedy, and the leftovers is like the most depressing drama you'll ever see. <laughs> right. Exactly. Jesus. Um. Okay. Well, I I just I just named two. Um. Oh, those were those were the two to finish off your list. Yeah, because I thought of Mike Schur while speaking about Lindelof. So, um, uh, do you do you have do you have any more? Um, I've got a few coming, but like trying to figure out which of these is like the best. You know, mm-hmm. it's hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, a, sort of a lame answer. I think we both agree with this. Not Marvel Studios, but Kevin Feige. Like he's just. <laughs> It's it's nothing even about like the creativity, you know? It's it's just that like he is a machine on how to make a good movie. 
Right. And like a, a lot of a lot of them aren't amazing. But like I see that he's producing a Star Wars movie and I'm like, yeah, that'll probably be a really good Star Wars movie. Like I'm I'm a lot more confident in that than I was about like some some of the other ideas Star Wars has had recently. And I, there's there's not even a plot for that yet. It's just untitled Kevin Feige Star Wars movie. And I'm like, yeah, I want to see that more than Cassie and Andor on Disney Plus or whatever. <laughs> Um, so yeah, whatever, whatever he ends up doing at Disney, I'm, I'm going to follow it. I think, cause I think soon it's going to be more than Marvel and Star Wars, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, that, that would be interesting. Cause you're, you're right. He seems to know how to, no pun intended, how to assemble, uh, a good right. team to make, to make a good movie. Um, you know, he's not a writer, he's not a director, but he seems to be at least pretty good at picking the people who can do those things really well and work and working with them on how to make a, a, a great final product. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we've spent some time sort of beating up Marvel studios a bit recently, but it, overall in the end, their hit rate is pretty high and that's oh, probably yeah. because of Feige and co. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I, 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 I see what you mean there. Yeah, Absolutely. So we we just have honorable mentions now. I have I have one more that I'll say, which is in a totally different category. Hmm. Um, but you mentioned at the beginning of this, you mentioned podcasts, and I'll say one of my favorite podcasters, John Syracuse. I I was wondering if you were going to say John. Yeah, I that's, that's a good pick. Love Syracuse. I'll I'll listen to any podcast that he's on, pretty much about any topic. Because I just I like the way he thinks, and I think maybe more importantly, I like the way he explains things. Yeah, you know, um, pro- probably would throw in CGP Gray as well. I just mm-hmm. that that that's probably one where I'm like I watch every CGP Gray video. I pay him every month to keep making videos because I just I love his videos. So I'm kind of giving you a twofer in that one. Yeah, not that yeah, they're really connected or, or know each other really <laughs> at all. But <laughs> right, right. <laughs> would would love to see those two do a podcast. Although I've heard it, Mike Hurley says it wouldn't be interesting. I don't care. I'd want to hear it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it would. I think it would be interesting. <laughs> uh, of course, I think it'd be interesting because because apparently people. I think I might have told you this. Apparently, people have gone to Mike Hurley and said, "Why don't you get Syracuse and Gray to do a podcast together?" Because they mm-hmm. they clearly disagree about things sometimes maybe even often and it'd be interesting to hear them talk about it because they're both so smart and analytical and logical and everything and and mike is like i've been there for those conversations it's not interesting because they both <laughs> just sit there and go well i think this well i think that okay like that that does, that's not interesting <laughs> that's, that's so crazy to me you think they would get more into it than that. also just the idea of those two hanging out is hilarious i know but. i know um do you have do you have any um favorite podcasters that you're like, oh, I'll listen to anything this guy podcasts about. Uh, I mean, so loosely connected to podcasting and I can't believe I didn't think of this guy earlier, uh, but Bill Burr. Oh, <laughs> I've, yeah. I've, listen, I've listened to every uh, episode of the Monday Morning Podcast since 2017. I have not missed an episode. Wow. And it's like, I don't know. It's it's a hard, hard for me because I don't really like Efforts for Family, which is like his main show that he stars and produces like i'm not crazy about it but i'm just, not crazy about it either it's it's decent it's pretty good yeah yeah it's not, not it's not bad yeah but his tra- his track record is generally more good than bad um and he's 
the type of person who in movies and shows is never the star and is just sort of like playing a very specific role and character that I'm like, okay, someone went out of their way to choose Bill Burr because he's like the angry guy from Boston. <laughs> and I think that character is always funny. Right. So, me too. I mean, just look at him in, in the Mandalorian, like right. he's fantastic. Some, someone specifically sought him out for that character. Yeah. So, Favreau. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm, I just think, and anything that he's in is usually going to be pretty funny and up my alley for the same kind of humor I enjoy his his stand up and his podcast for. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good, that's a good pick. Um, yeah, I mean, now that we're talking like comedy in particular, I feel like maybe maybe Seinfeld, maybe Mary, maybe Larry David. Although Larry David was, really I doesn't was, do anything but curb anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I was gonna say both of them though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've got to see this movie about Pop Tarts. Oh my God, that's right. By the how, way, how am I not going to see that? By the way, you want to hear something really funny? Where's my phone? Hmm. Speaking of Seinfeld, so you know cosmonaut Marcus, not yeah. I mean, not personally, but he, I don't know if you saw he tweeted the other day. He started watching Seinfeld good for the first oh, time because really? now it's on Netflix. Yeah, right. I just realized I already sent you the screenshot of the story that I'm telling you. Yeah, where, yeah. Where where my friend my friends who is friends with Marcus, she started watching Seinfeld, and she's like, "You have you seen Seinfeld? Do you like the show?" I'm like, "It's one of the greatest shows ever." And she's like, "Yeah, that makes sense. You, you're you're Jerry," <laughs> and I, and I was like, it, "It it is it is really amazing how many people in my life that I've met like post adolescence." You know, like in high school, like, you know, mid to post adolescent people I met in high school or college or whatever, and mm-hmm. they end up at some point watching Seinfeld and they all come to me and they go, oh, my God, you remind me of insert character from the show. Right. Like I've right. gotten all of them. And it's just like Seinfeld was one of those shows that like I watched so much as like a like like in, in my most formative years, <laughs> you yeah. know, like 12, 13, 14, 15, whatever. Yeah, maybe even younger than that, I think. Um, but I watched it so much, and that it's like that—that it, that show shaped like who I am, and like formed like part of my personality and my sense of humor. That like, yeah, I'm sorry, this is just part of who I am now. It's just like I'm some weird amalgam of of the four main characters of Seinfeld. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we should do that. I, I have that on the list. Like, what what are the what's the media that you feel shaped you the most? We should do that sometime yeah. too. I have that on no, the list for somewhere. Sure. I've had people like who watch Seinfeld for the first time, very similar to what you just said. And they'll say to me like, Oh, you say this line all the time. Or they'll be like, Oh, I like, I see where your sense of humor came from. Like, it's just, it's all here. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I probably, I probably don't even realize it, but someone that's watching it for the first time, be like, Oh, okay. I get it. Right. Right. I get it. The, 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 the pony remark that makes sense. Right, right. Was that wrong? <laughs> am, am I wrong? Oh, oh, that's that's right. The po- the pony remark is, am I wrong? But then the the one I just said is is when George gets caught having sex with the cleaning woman, <laughs> yeah, and his yeah. response is, was that wrong? Was that wrong? Should I not have done that? <laughs> that's one of the best lines in the whole show. I gotta plead ignorance here. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I worked in a lot of offices. People were doing that all the time. The, <laughs> the funny thing is, if you watch the episode, it, 
it, there's that brief moment before George says, was that wrong? And it's like you can see his mind going through all the, what, <laughs> yes. what, what can I yes. say? Like the way Jason Alexander like plays it, his acting is so good. It's like you can mm-hmm. watch his brain turning through possible things to say <laughs> and, and then and then because he he knows it's ridiculous to say this. and then the boss is eventually like yeah get get the fuck out of here and <laughs> right. george is like yeah okay all right i'm gone he, he knows <laughs> right exactly um okay i have exhausted the list of people where i'm like heavily interested in their career and i now have come have composed a list of people that are I, I don't feel like emotionally super invested in their career um, or the things that they make, but I'm I'm always I'm always very interested in what are they going to do next, and I and I probably want to see it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you want me want this list? You want my list? Yeah, yeah, please. Okay, first one I thought of, Hayao Miyazaki. Yeah, I I, I mean that was one I thought about saying. I just. I don't, I don't think I have the credibility to say it. I've only seen like three or four of his movies. But I've yeah. seen, I think, every movie he's ever made. And they're basically all good, right? Which <laughs> is pretty, again, pretty impressive. But I don't, I don't feel like, the reason I have it on this like short list is like, I don't feel like, um, an emotional attachment to it. Like, like I sort of feel like, like, I get like emotionally excited about like, oh my God, like, Fincher's doing a new movie or like oh my I'm really excited for this new Sorkin thing or oh my god new Bo Burnham mm-hmm. special whereas right. Miyazaki it's like well it's obviously gonna be great it's Miyazaki I'll see it I'll see it like of course I'm gonna see it but it's a little it's a little more of a laid back it's more of like th- this is a list of people where it's like I just respect them very much and they're clearly very good at what they do but I'm not mm-hmm. like a fanatic <laughs> as much right yeah um so I have Hayao Miyazaki I have Christopher Nolan. Yeah. You know, where I'm not like I'm not like always dying to see the new Christopher Nolan movie. You know, I'm not like I'm not like oh I got to see everything Nolan makes, but he's clearly very good. Yeah. And even when absolutely. he misses, it's interesting. <laughs> it's Tenet. Yeah. yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> um the, another another one I had was Ryan Johnson who I've seen I a few seen enough of his stuff. Yeah, I've only seen Looper, which I loved. Last Jedi, which everyone is kind of mixed about, and I have mixed feelings about it too, and Knives Out, which I also love, and I'm starting to think like maybe Ryan Johnson's one of those guys where like even if even if not all of his movies are great, he's an interesting guy. He's got some interesting ideas, and I feel like he's got some unique. I mean, Looper and Knives Out are such a unique twist on time travel movies and detective movies respectively right it's like Mm -hmm. it's like a love letter to those types of movies but also he's doing his own thing it's very interesting you know so i'm interested to see what he does next i'm in i I hope he actually does a star wars Wars. i agree you know um which is why i'm interested to see him do a star wars show which is also why i think he should have been the one to have done the entire star wars sequel trilogy i think a lot of people say oh it should have been all jj abrams and I think it it would have been a better series overall had it been all done done by J.J. Abrams. But I also think if the whole trilogy had been done by Ryan Johnson, it would have been not as much of a copy and paste from other movies. Yeah, and it would have sure. been more different and more uh, 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 it zigs when it's going to zag type of thing. You know, mm-hmm. um, 
subverting expectations. And I think it would have been interesting. Um, the other person I have on my list is Carrie Joji Fukunaga, yeah. who, who did um, the first season of True Detective. He directed every episode of that, which I thought was fantastic. Then he did a little miniseries on Netflix a few years ago called Maniac. He directed every episode of that. It was with Emma Stone and Jonah Hill and Justin mm-hmm. Theroux. And yeah, I, thought, I haven't seen that. I thought that was really great. Um, I think the show was created by Patrick Somerville, who I think was a writer on The Leftovers, and then Carrie Fukunaga um, directed every episode of that, and I thought that was great. And then he just did the new Bond movie. Right, right. Which supposedly is pretty good. So, uh, you know, that's another one where I'm like, I don't know that I like love everything he's done, but I've seen a few things he's done, and I'm very interested in what he does next. Yeah, you know, seen enough. The other, uh, another name I have on here, uh, Makoto Shinkai, who I've seen several of his movies now, his most popular being Your Name. Mm. Um, but I loved Five Centimeters Per Second. Um, you know, he also did uh, Voices of a Distant Star. Um, you know, another one where it's like, haven't seen a ton of things, but seen a few things and liked all of them. And I think he's got some interesting ideas. I mean, your name alone is like, who is this guy? What's he doing next? You know? Right. Um, right. But yeah, I'd, I'd seen five centimeters per second before your name came out. And then when that came out, everyone was raving about it. I was like, Oh yeah, I know Makoto Shinkai. So, um, yeah, I'm interested to see, he did, he did another movie after that, which people said was good, but not as good as your name, which fair enough. Um, <laughs> right. but yeah, that's another guy where I'm like, want to see what, what, what I keep, I want to keep an eye on him. You know, it's it it's telling that Weathering with You came out in 2019, and I still have not taken the time to watch it. Yeah, so that's exactly. why he, I feel like he's in this sort of honorable mention category. Mm-hmm. But seems like an interesting guy with some interesting ideas, um, and also all of his movies are about the same thing, which is like being separated from people in different ways, and about the emotions and they go along with that and it's kind of it's sort of it's kind of interesting to watch a director kind of make a make different movies but all sort of about the same topic and watch him kind of get better at expressing that topic uh culminating with your name that's an interesting thing and then i'll the last name i'll throw out here and then i'll shut up is denis villeneuve yeah that's a good pick i I thought about saying him too i've only seen blade runner 2049 and arrival and dune but from what everyone says all his other movies are great too. <laughs> yeah, and just, you know. just from those three, it's like clearly this guy's know what the hell he, knows what the hell he's doing. Right, clearly he's good at his job. Right, so, so yeah, Denis Villeneuve is like, ooh, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm, I don't consider myself quite a diehard fan yet, but I, I, I want to see what he does. I, I'm keeping my eye on him. I'm keep, so these, all my honorable mentions are 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 people who are like. I'm keeping my eye on them because I like what they've done so far. Or it's like, well, obviously they're just a master at what they – like Miyazaki and Nolan and Villeneuve. It's like these guys are obviously like masters at what they do. And it's like obviously I'm going to see their new movie because it's like they're just so big that it's like you got to see what they do next, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. But I'm not emotionally invested in Nolan's career, you know, like, like I'm in Burnham. Right. right? So it's just sort of a different relationship. It's, 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 it's almost like you watch Nolan or Miyazaki because every, so much of what they've done in the past is, is great. And, and there's such a big name. It's like, well, everyone wants to see it because it's just because of who it is, you know? Exactly. But it's, but that feeling is not specific to me. 
mm-hmm. right? I, yeah, more, that's fair. This conversation is like, who are the people that are specific to you, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I mean, as far as directors, the only names I'll add would be uh, Tarantino, Wes Anderson. Oh, right. Tarantino's um, another one where it's like, well, you got to see Edgar the new Tarantino Wright. movie. Oh, Edgar exactly. Wright is another one that I would probably say I'll see anything by Edgar Wright. You're right. Yeah. I mean, there's there's just so many directors that we could let Adam McKay probably, where, at least now, um, where it's just mm-hmm. like and anything. We Their track record of recent or of long has been so good. Steven Spielberg. Well, that might maybe Steven Spielberg 10 years ago or something. I don't know, but although I've heard um, the new West side story is freaking great. Oh, is it? I haven't heard anything about it. I I've heard it. I've heard it's really great. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You mentioned Spielberg and then you say, Oh, but I don't know about recently because, um, it's interesting that podcast. I love blank check. Uh, they did a mini series on Spielberg, but they did it. Um, let me see. I want to get it exactly right. They did it. I think it was called the DreamWorks era. Because is he the guy behind DreamWorks, Spielberg? Uh, I don't know. It might be. Blank check, Jurassic Park 2. Yeah, it looks like DreamWorks was founded in 94 by Spielberg. Yeah, so Blank Check, did the, they did a miniseries on the films. Because, yeah, you know, Blank Check is a podcast about filmographies. Directors mm-hmm. who have massive success early on in their careers and get a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they want. Sometimes they clear and sometimes they bounce, baby. But with Spielberg, he's done so many movies that they specifically did a miniseries on the films of Steven Spielberg, the DreamWorks years. So hmm. it's it's Spielberg's career starting from 1997's The Lost World, colon, Jurassic Park, up oh, through the present. I know, right? It, so I, I, I think it was just like, we can't do all of Spielberg, it's too much. But it's interesting to, if you start at the studio that he founded, DreamWorks, right? And see, because that's in the way that's sort of the biggest blank check that there could be is you get your own studio, you know what I mean? And right. so that, to, it's interesting you say like, oh, Spielberg, I don't know about recently. It's like, yeah, in a way... He's a it's he's almost a more interesting director recently because his early career it's like oh well they're all hits, but Spielberg the DreamWorks years is like it's maybe a little more hit or miss, <laughs> maybe a little yeah. more hit or miss. It's sort of an interesting uh, s- s- section of his career to cover on on a movie podcast. Right, right. I mean, what what's the the friendly giant? Big friendly giant is that the BFG? That he, yeah, yeah. It's like what was he? What was he thinking? <laughs> Ready Player know. One. Yeah, I've heard. I, I feel like that's the movie I've heard the most mixed things about. Right. Like for a movie I've never seen, the opinions vary widely. Oh, and when we speaking of Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which we mentioned earlier, that's that's in the Pod Me if you cast miniseries on Blank Jack. Jeez, that's rough. Yeah, but then you also have things in there like Saving Private Ryan. Right. You know, so DreamWorks. <laughs> so, um. Anyway, yeah. So, yeah. So, so, uh, are you putting Spielberg on on your list of? Uh, well, uh, I'll keep an eye on him. Type of type of yeah, guy. Yeah, I guess so. And th- I think the last name I'll mention entirely, and th- this goes like on the main list now that I remembered it. Okay. And I was ju- I was trying to think like music is a hard one to pick because it's sort of just like. If you're a fan, you're going to listen to whatever they put out because music is something that comes out every two years, you know? 
Right. And also, you know, an album is like, what, an hour? You know, like, yeah, it's so exactly. easy to just blow through it. Right. So that that's why I didn't really mention any music names. But the one the one I'll add now, and I think it's more interesting, is is Paul McCartney. And I more so from a lens of like any sort of interview or documentary that he's in now. Like I'm very interested to see and hear what old man Paul McCartney has to say. Hmm. Like interesting. This, there, there was that series that came out on Hulu earlier this year where him, with him and Rick Rubin. And it, it's seriously just three hours of him and Rick Rubin talking about Paul McCartney's music. And it was like the most enjoyable thing I've seen this year, basically. Um, just like I'm so intrigued and have so much love for the music that he's made that like any any sort of interview documentary, this new get back thing with Peter Jackson. I mean, that's old footage, of course, but I'm just so interested in the Beatles and his career specifically. And since he's the only one that's, well, Ringo. I mean, he's he's the <laughs> the main guy who's still alive. Right. And who knows how much longer that he's going to be here for. That Like, any sort of new Beatles content or nuggets of information that he drops in an inter- interview, very interested by. Yeah, I was going to ask you, are you, are you going to watch uh, the Beatles get back? Yeah, it's it's like the thing I want to do more than anything right now. But each, each episode is like two and a half hours long. It's... It's really long, but it makes me really excited because I, I expected like three one-hour episodes, and it's like three two-and-a-half-hour episodes. So yeah, episode two is it. like two hours and fifty minutes or something. It's almost yeah. three hours for it's one like, it's episode. Like end game. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll Letterbox has it soon. at four hundred and seventy-one minutes, which yeah, insane. Yeah, that's you know about an average of like two and a half hours an episode. Right. All right. Well, why don't we? Uh, why don't you come over and we'll and we'll watch uh, we'll watch the Beatles get back real quick? <laughs> yeah, I got four hundred and seventy one minutes to spare this weekend. <laughs> yeah, what what do you got going on? You're not doing anything. You're not busy, right? Just Jimmy Buffett. That's all. Yeah, you can you can squeeze four hundred seventy one minutes in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No problem. 